Greetings in Jesus' name. It's been a joy to be here and worship with you thus far. And I pray that our worship could continue. It's good to be back and to see that you're prospering. Praise the Lord. Rejoice with you that God has blessed you as a congregation here. And may he continue to do that. I have a very simple message this morning, but it's what God laid on my heart. And I trust that, like our brother shared in the opening, that we can, that I can encourage you to continue on. Message this morning is don't throw in the towel. Can we just rise to pray? Father, we are here this morning gathered as your children, wanting and learning, wanting and needing to hear from you. So I pray that you would pour your spirit upon us like the gentle rain outside in our hearts, in our meeting here, that we could be nourished and fed and grow in you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I consider seasons of life, it's very interesting to me to consider that you have spring, you have summer, you have fall, you have winter, you have birth, You have childhood, adolescence, adult. Those are all similar but different, different stages of life. And we all like when life is good. We enjoy that. Early summertime when the spring rains have watered the earth sufficiently. And the lush green is coming and growing abundantly. The skies are blue. And things are just pleasant. We like that. I like that. But like we heard this morning, sometimes life is perplexing. Sometimes we struggle with relationships They're fragile. Maybe relationships with brother to brother, sister to sister in the congregation. Maybe it's parent to child or child to parent. Sometimes they become fragile and we wonder, is it really worth it? And we feel like throwing in the towel. You know that term? You understand that term? Have you ever felt that way? Perhaps it's your work. The stress is at work. Maybe you're overworked. Maybe there's not enough of work. Maybe you think that your pay is not enough. Maybe relationships within the workforce are sour. 
Sometimes family life becomes stressful. Raising children, guiding teenagers, caring for your family becomes stressful and perplexing. And then we have times, I do in my life, when you open the Word of God and you diligently read and study and it seems dry. Have you ever experienced that? Where is God? Maybe it's a personal failure in your life that you're struggling with. Overcoming. I don't know what you're facing this morning. You know, and God knows. But sometimes in the perplexity of life, when our life should look clean and white, like the towel here, it becomes dirty and stained because of perplexities, because of difficulties, because of you name it. And sometimes we feel like giving up, brother. Don't throw in the towel. Press on. God is for us. He wants to guide us. You know, there were those in Scripture that we read about that had, I call, winter times in their life as well. Hardships. I think of Abraham. Difficulty with Hagar and his and Sarah. Relationships, struggles there. God called Abraham to leave his home, land, and to go, he didn't know where. Just follow me, Abraham, and I will show you. God called Abraham to offer his firstborn son. That was a difficult thing, I'm sure, for Abraham, who loved his son. I don't know if he was discouraged or not. But I know that he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, the Bible says, his faith. I think of Joseph. You know the story. Sold into Egypt by his own brothers. Mistreated, falsely accused, thrown in prison. You think Joseph ever became discouraged and thought, is it worth it? Why don't I just throw in the towel and live like everybody else? And then we have the story of the children of Israel, slaves under the rule of Pharaoh. Their life was bitter and hard. And the Bible says that they cried out because of their bitterness, and God heard. Hallelujah. And I think of the Apostle Paul, we'll look at his life more later as well. But sometimes in the perplexity of life, 
our towel gets stained and dirty. And we wonder, God, is it worth it? You know, I'm amazed at the creation that God gave us to enjoy. Consider the small thing, the small seed that is dropping to the ground in this season of life, the acorns and numerous other plants that are dropping their seeds to reproduce for next year. God has created that seed with an outer shell that is very hard, almost impenetrable. And God has created that seed to be thus that through the coldness of winter, through the snow and rain in wintertime, through the trampling on by animals and humans, whatever, slowly, slowly that seed, that outer shell is broken so that in the springtime, life can come forth. Sometimes we feel like that in our life, that we are in the bitterness of winter. But you know, without that breaking that outer shell, that seed could not bloom and blossom into something beautiful. It needs that winter time. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Just briefly look at the life of the Apostle Paul. We know the story, I believe, well, how Paul was converted. He had a zeal for God even before his conversion. It was a misdirected zeal, you could say, how God changed that. And even after his conversion, how God miraculously used him, but not without many trials in his life. In Acts 16 here, we have the account of where Paul was preaching and Lydia was converted. And as Lydia opened her house to Paul and others, there was another person there in verse 16. It says, the damsel possessed with a divination that brought her masters much gain with her fortune-telling. And how Paul rebuked that spirit out of that damsel, and she was as well converted. And how it brought anger to her masters because of their gain being lost. And how Paul and Silas were taken and beaten and thrown in prison. In Acts chapter 16, verse 23, let's begin reading there. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, 
charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. What a situation. You think Paul was discouraged or faced any discouragement? I am told that they would take your feet and spread them apart as far as they could to the point of almost coming out of joint and fastening them in stocks at that point. I imagine Paul and Silas there, probably sitting in a dirty dungeon prison floor, their feet in stocks, their backs beaten to shreds. What hope did they have? Verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Amazing. What possessed Paul to start praising the Lord? I think he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. His security was in God. He he was secure in the fact that, God, whatever you bring into my life, I'm going to accept it as the best for me and bring glory to you through that. You know, sharing God's message brings a, sometimes it brings persecution. It comes with a price. Sometimes we're ridiculed. Sometimes we're laughed at. Sometimes we're not well, well thought of. And here Paul was thrown in prison. And they began singing and praising God. They had a worship experience in that prison. Amazing. Would to God that I would have that vision in my perplexities of life, that I would learn to praise God in it all, that God could be glorified. Paul was not asking to be set free, I don't think, not just that, but he was asking that God would use this opportunity to win more souls for him. And then in verse 25, says, and suddenly. I like that word, suddenly. God appears. And what happens when God appears? Well, here the earth shook. And the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. God heard their praise and their worship, and God answered them in a mighty way. At this time, Paul may have wondered, is it worth it? But no, I don't think he did. He had opportunity to praise God, and he did that. Now, turn in your Bibles, turn back to Philippians chapter 3 for another secret into Paul's life. Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin reading in verse 13. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amazing testimony. Paul says, I leave those things which are behind back there. That baggage, whatever it may have been, maybe the ill treatment of somebody, the accusations that were false, whatever, I leave those behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark. Are you pressing toward your mark this morning? That word pressing has the idea of pursuing diligently. Giving it all you got, no matter what happens. That was Paul's vision. I pressed toward the mark. What was the mark? The finish line. The finish line. Paul pressed diligently towards that finish line. His goal was eternity with God. And he was doing everything he could to get there faithfully. Are you pressing towards your mark this morning? You know, I find, and I believe you probably do too here, there are many distractions on the Christ, along the Christian life. Many things that are calling for our attention. Many things that are maybe not all that wrong, but are they edifying? How did Paul say, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient? What are some of those things? I don't know what you face here, but you know. If it's a question to you, when in doubt, throw it out. My mother taught me. Even if it's something good. But Paul had a vision. His eyes were set on the mark and nothing was going to distract him. And that's what I want for us here this morning. You know, I thought of a song. Let me just read that song here this morning as far as voices that are distracting us here today. I don't know who wrote this song. It's a beautiful song. There are voices calling that want to steal your heart, backed by gold and silver and things of earthly art. As they catch your ear, does your soul desire a part? Who has control of your heart? There are honors given to those who seek for fame. Some use all their talents just to play the earthly game. Would you find some pleasure if they would call your name? Who has control of your heart? Pleasures of, pleasures of this life all around us now we see. Some will follow them and will, up, will end up shamefully. Have you wished at times that these things might for you be? Who has control of your heart? Voices are calling. 
calling to you. Voices are calling. Will to the Lord you be true? I press toward the mark for the prize. What is the prize that Paul was talking about this morning? I think it was heaven. But I think even along with that, it was the souls of men here on this life. You know, isn't it such a thrill? Our brother shared this morning about the phone call about a soul that wanted to know Jesus. What a thrill that is to lead somebody to the Lord. Some people think it's a thrill to catch great big fish, and maybe it is. I never did. Some people think it's a thrill to catch or to shoot a big buck. Maybe it is. I never did. But I know it's a thrill to lead a soul to the Lord. And that was one of Paul's prizes, his vision. Paul openly communicated his priorities. Do we? Are we free to share what our life vision is with others, with our brothers? So that we can sharpen each other and encourage each other on life's pathway. All the trophies, all the culture of the past, Paul counted as rubbish for the sake of Christ. He wanted to know Christ. He wanted to experience his power. Paul was a man with a mission. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't throw in the towel. Press on, beloved, this morning. Allow God's perfect work and will in your life. And the reward will be great in heaven. Paul was a man with a vision. He narrowed his wedge of life. He narrowed it down and focused only on the essentials. Only what was important. Only what mattered to God. And that's a challenge for me this morning. It may be for all of us. What was Paul's secret in this all? Number one, Paul discerned what his hindrances were. Paul was able to look at his life and see this or this hinders me from serving the Lord with my whole heart. And he was willing to let that go. Those things that he once cherished, he was willing to let go for the cause of Christ. Am I willing to do that? Those are things that hinder our relationship with God. Paul discovered what he wanted. He wanted God's righteousness, not his own. He wanted the pursuit of Christ to be his solitary pursuit. And number three, Paul, he determined how to get it. With a single-minded passion, he went forward. He forgot the past, forsook what was back there, and he pursued the prize of his call. 
How about you this morning? Have you narrowed your focus to a single eye? What is your one thing that you're pursuing this morning? For Paul, it was Christ, his one thing. Can you list your priorities on one hand, or are they many in your life? What are you pursuing? <clears throat> Maybe you're facing a winter time in your life. I don't know. You know. God knows. Allow the scarification of life's trials to break your heart so that something beautiful can come out and God can be glorified. Press on. Don't throw in the towel. I thought of Hebrews 11. We read of many who have endured much suffering and persecution for the sake of God and for his kingdom. And I like to this morning just in our, in our minds, imaginary minds, paint a picture of some of these heroes of faith I don't know what's behind these curtains. Perhaps it's a mural. But I like to paint on these curtains in our minds some of these heroes of faith that are encouraging us on here this morning. We'll begin over here. Picture with me creation, paradise, the Garden of Eden, the glory of walking in the coolness of day with God, Adam and Eve experienced that. How beautiful that must have been. How I long for that today in my life. I think we all long for that. To be able to walk with God. It's possible. God has given us the ability to do that. We heard some of that this morning by prayer and communication with God. Picture paradise with me there. Next, we see paradise lost, driven from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, outside the garden, covered with shame, covered with clothes because of the shame of their life. Paradise lost, a sad picture there. Then we move on, picture with me, Enoch. Enoch was a man who walked with God. He loved God. He communicated with God. The Bible says he walked with God, and God took him, for he was not, it says. Next, I picture Noah. Noah, a man of righteousness, in the midst of a world filled with iniquity, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. There's Noah and his family following God, pursuing God with all his heart, which called him to build an ark in a land where it had never rained before. Imagine the ridicule. Imagine the mockery that Noah faced. But Noah was there diligent and faithful to God. 
Then we have Abraham. Abraham, a man of faith. We have Sarah, that woman that God gave Abraham, picture of beauty. We have Joseph, who was willing to follow God at all costs. He was willing to follow God even in a strange land. He could have sinned and nobody would have known at home. But no, Joseph said, how can I sin? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He was faithful. He endured. He didn't throw in the towel when he faced hard times. I see Moses, the meekest man on earth, following after God, communicating with God up on the mountain and even otherwise, leading his people out of Egypt. And Moses was faithful. Yes, Moses has a lot of difficult times in his life. Can you imagine how you would feel with having a million plus people rumbling to you about something at one time? Moses, faithful Moses. I see Samuel, the faithful prophet, delivering God's message to Israel, following God with his whole heart. He was faithful. I see Gideon. I see Samson, prophets chosen of God to deliver Israel from their enemies, faithful to God, face difficult times. I see Ruth. He was willing to leave Moab and go to a foreign country for the sake of God. She followed God there. I see Rahab. Rahab the harlot, willing to obey God, and God blessed her abundantly and used her. These are all men that, and women that we have in Scripture that we can look to as examples of those who were willing to endure unto the end. <clears throat> and then I see the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, delivering God's message to a stiff-necked and rebellious people, but being faithful to God, calling out God's warnings time and time again. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, all those committed to do God's work. They faced severe, difficult times, but they were faithful. This is what Hebrews 11 says about them. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly, whereof God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
for he he hath prepared for them a city. Beautiful. They had a vision. They had a mission. They had a zeal. They had a mark. They had a prize that they were striving for, and they reached it. And we can as well if we are faithful. Next, I see here in my picture, I see Zacharias and Elizabeth faithful in prayer, God blessing him with the son, John, John the Baptist. We see John the Baptist, a man chosen of God to be the forerunner of Jesus, preaching in the wilderness, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then we come to about right here, and we see Jesus. It says of him that a great light shone forth. Jesus, a light to lighten the way. And we see Jesus, his life, his ministry, and his crucifixion. Let's not forget that scene. That's the central focus, I think, of what our, our eyes should see as we go through life. Jesus, what a name, what a Savior. Something that I see all these here that we spoke about are all looking over here and looking at Jesus. They had they've seen the promise of far off. Next, I envision in my mind, I see the apostles, Peter, James, and John, preaching and teaching and faithfully serving and following their master. Yes, they were all martyred except John. They endured to the end. They were faithful. I see Stephen there being willing to give his life for the cause of Christ. Saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And being stoned. And then we have the Apostle Paul. Beaten, stoned, shipwrecked. But faithful unto the end. And we have many others that we can think of. Hebrews 11.35 says these words, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth for the cause of Christ. They endured. They did not throw in the towel. They endured. So we have many there that were faithful. Next, 
that's paint a picture of our forefathers. Many of our forefathers who paved the way for us were willing to die for their faith so that we can have the Bible today in our hands. Willing to die for Christ no matter what the cost would be. Many women and men suffered horrendously for their life, paved the way for us. And then I see our loved ones that we know. I see my grandfather there and many others. I see my father-in-law. You put in there who you know. Those who have been faithful unto the end. Those who did not throw in the towel. Those who were willing to endure. And today, they're with the Lord. And these are all cheering us on, saying, we can do it. Don't give up. It's worth it all. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't throw in the towel. And then we come over to the last curtain here. And if I could, I'd draw a small dot in the middle. And that's us today. That's you in there. Will you be faithful? All these others are looking at you, at us today, are saying, yes, we can do it. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. God is with you. God is with us. Endure unto the end. Open your Bibles now or turn back to Hebrews chapter 12 for a concluding scripture here. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll read the entire chapter and make make a few comments. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all these that I mentioned, plus many, many more who went before us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, laying aside those hindrances that hinder us from running effectively. Let's lay them aside. Let's be willing to give up those things that hinder our our race. Giving those up and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the honor that was given him by God, endured the cross, despising the shame. In the Old Testament, it it says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus was willing to take that curse upon him because of us. Hallelujah. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Consider Jesus. Lest ye become wearied and throw in the towel. 
ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. Sometimes we think that it's pretty severe, but we have not yet been asked to give our life as many did. Let's press in, brothers and sisters. And have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I like the wording there. I like the King James Version. I like the ETH, scourgeth and chasteneth, an ongoing action. God doesn't give up on us. If I don't get it the first time, he tries again. God doesn't give up on me. Hallelujah. For if ye endured chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards or illegitimate children without a father and not sons. We don't want to be that. That's not God's will for us. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For verily, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. That's the goal. Holiness to God. That's what God is trying to do in our life. Let's not resist him, that we might be partakers of his holiness. I know it hurts. Sometimes we say, I can't take it anymore. God, it hurts. But he says, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, because of that, beloved here this morning, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Are there struggling brothers here in this congregation that you know of? Be there. Lift up their hands. Encourage them on. Brother, you can do it. Don't give up. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. That's God's heart, that it be healed. And sometimes we need to get down and, and, and move some stones out of the path or make the road a, a bit easier for them so they understand God's heart. Sometimes in my life, my grace is not, my grace is limited to others. But God's grace is never limited. God will do everything he can to save anybody. Let's not forget that. Let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Beloved, be careful for that root of bitterness that wants to crop up in your life. It's very destructive, very dangerous. Get rid of it. Root it out. Verse 16, 
lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that, you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Let's not be like Esau. Esau wanted the blessing of his father. He wanted the family blessing, but not the responsibility of caring for them. You can't have one or the other. We need both. God has called us to follow him and to be faithful in sharing with others as well. Verse 18, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. What an awesome picture there of when God's glory came down on Mount Sinai. And God wanted to communicate with Israel as I'm talking with you here today. But the people were frightened. They, they said, no, let Moses be our mediator. Verse 22. But you're come unto Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Uh, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape who not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things which are that are shaken, as the things which are made that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken, may remain. Wherefore, again we have a wherefore, because of what we just read, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We have an eternal kingdom this morning that we are striving for. Don't throw in the towel. Be faithful to the end. If you're in that winter season this morning, beloved, spring is just around the corner. Spring will come. Bloom where you're planted. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Take your dirty towel and hang it on the cross. Give it to Jesus. Let him take care of it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Brother quoted that verse ready this morning. God cares, God knows, God sees, and God wants to help you. Don't give up.
I close with a reading called The Road of Life. At first, I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of all the things I did wrong, so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I did not really know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life was rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, and I noticed that Christ was in the back helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, and life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring but predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts, up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. And even though it looked like madness, he said, Pedal! I worried and was anxious and asked, Where are you taking me, God? He laughed and didn't answer, and I started to learn to trust him. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when, he, when I'd say, I'm scared, he leaned back and touched my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, of acceptance, and of joy. They gave me gifts to take on my journey, my Lord's and mine. And we were off again. He said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggies. They're too much weight. Give them away. And so I did to the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received, and still our burden was light. I did not trust him at first. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make it bend to take sharp corners. He knows how to jump to clear high rocks. He knows how to fly to, sh- to shorten scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in strangest places. And I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure I can't do any more, when I'm sure I can't go any further, he just smiles and says, Pedal! God bless you.